Welcome film industry professionals, movie aficionados, and aspiring filmmakers. This is the Cinema Pathway Podcast, brought to you by Paradoxical Films. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Join us on a journey behind the camera, and most importantly, beyond what we know about film and the craft of filmmaking. So sit tight, grab some popcorn and soda, and let's go ride on Cinema Pathway. Welcome listeners to the Cinema Pathway podcast. We talk a lot on the show about how filmmakers, artists, creators are really at their core storytellers. The definition of a storyteller is just as broad as that of an artist or a filmmaker. Uh, people have used a combination of letters, numbers, words to try to define it. Oh, the four P's, the three C's of storytelling, the three rules, the six rules, any combination. Uh, So when I was preparing for today's episode, I really tried to key in on what a good definition was, and I found one that I really like. Storytelling is the art of connecting with the audience, engaging with their brains and emotions to leave a memorable impression. And to me, that really hits the nail on the head. Uh, Connect, engage, leave an impression. Um, So I'm fortunate today to be joined by a talented, multifaceted storyteller. She is an actress, director, producer, content creator, and much more. I am happy to welcome Jennifer Joy O'Grady to our show today. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I was trying to come up with a complete list of everything you do or have done. You've done theater, dance, creative writing, acting, directing, producing, screenwriting. You've done shorts. You've done features. You've done web series. You've done commercials. So my first question is, did I miss anything? And my second one is, how did all this start for you? I think you covered almost all of it. Uh, I definitely have worn many hats throughout my career and also discovering what I truly love to do, which you nailed it on the head when it comes to um, just story storytelling in general. That's my passion. Um, How it started for me, like I said, I always, since I was a child, I loved storytelling. In its essence, I loved writing. I would probably write a lot more, like stay in my room and not be playing like with other kids. Um, So I was always creating in that essence. Um, And it wasn't until much later on in life that I discovered filmmaking. I mean, I always loved movies. I loved theater. I loved um, performing, even though I was kind of a shy kid. But when it came to performing, I just opened up and became like this other person. (laughs) You know, that's what, you know, acting is. And um, yeah, and so but I always was drawn towards storytelling through either movies or through the camera. So that's kind of how it began. Do you remember thinking back to when you were younger, what some of the first stories you created were or some of the things that you did? I have uh, like these old notebooks. I probably still have them somewhere <laughs> of like when I was a kid, I would write like all these kind of stories. And it, and it, a lot of the stories were, of course, something that I could relate to. Um, you know, they were always like a young girl or, you know, something that she was going through. So it was definitely, of course, I think I knew then like you write what you know. <laughs> so that's how it started. And also, like when I was a kid, my parents, the first things that I ever saw were Shirley Temple films. And so that was probably my first inspirations for film, I would say. I can relate to that. The first films I saw were Mel Brooks movies. I, My father and my uncle took me to see Blazing Saddles when I was about 
four or five years old. Yeah, it's just off from there. Yeah, and that's what, like those films, like it's the classics, of course, like those are my first inspirations. And I like, I'm so grateful for that because I always like look back to the classics um, and glean from them, especially for my work now. So was it when you got into like high school that you really started finding yourself really performing more? Yes, I mean, I started doing dance when I was like probably like five. <laughs> so um, my performing arts uh, education started very young. So I, you know, dance, I played um, piano, I did like all kinds of things in the arts when I was a kid. Um, But then it wasn't until high school, maybe like actually middle school, I did my first play. And my first play was a Shakespeare play. I think it was was The Merchant of Venice. And that was a pretty difficult play for a middle schooler. But that experience like kind of opened the door for me. Like I remember first time being on stage in that performance. And before I got on stage, I was like freaking out. (laughs) But then once I was on stage, I was like, oh my, like this is like my world. (laughs) This is where I belong almost. It's interesting. You mentioned that you were a shy kid. And I think a lot of people think actors and performers are these extroverted, outgoing, big personalities. But more and more, it's the shy introverts because I think when they perform, they feel like they don't have to be themselves. It's out there. You get to almost you know become someone else and it, it really helps come into their own and, and explore different things. Yes, exactly. Like that's so true. I think as an introvert, you're more prone to observe others as well. And I think that's how I've always been. And then once you observe people, it's like you can learn different attributes that you take on for different characters. And uh, yeah, it, it's true. Like when I first told like my family or friends, like, I want to be an actor. They were like, what? <laughs> but um, I think like they really, they're like, okay, like, yeah, she, <laughs> she wants to be an actress. And, and it sounds like where you went to school, they had a pretty, um, pretty robust arts program that they really gave you a lot of opportunities. Um, we've talked with previous guests about that, how fortunately there are a lot of schools, you know, especially down here that have that, um, but others not so lucky. Can you talk a little bit about how your school really supported the arts and what kind of impact that had on you? Yes. Well, when I was in high school and, and I went to high school in South Florida, uh, actually in Broward, and um, I actually went to three different high schools. <laughs> and that's because my mom, she knew I was very passionate about the arts. And so she became passionate about it. She's like, okay, I'm going to find the best school for you. So I'm very appreciative that she was so supportive in that way. And uh, the last school, the school I graduated from was uh, American Heritage. They didn't have a like film or TV program that a lot of high schools do now. So all that I had was theater. You know, that's the only place that I could learn and create. And I learned so much. I had an incredible theater teacher there. And he actually wrote my um, my letter to my college. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm like grateful because that helped me to get into college. Uh, that experience was very helpful because he also inspired me like, you know, I think you might be more drawn towards like being in front of the camera or working with the camera. And he was a theater teacher. So that definitely inspired me despite not having a TV program in the school, uh, which I do believe is very important, especially now for kids to be able to try those different 
aspects and see what they really enjoy. Yeah, definitely. I think theater will always be the bedrock of acting where they start. But you had mentioned when you actually went to college, you were able to study a um, camera acting track, acting, which is unique. I'm not sure I've see many other programs. Yes. When I went to my college, I was like, I want to do both behind the camera and in front of the camera. And they didn't really have, they're like, well, that doesn't really exist. (laughs) But, you know, my uh, major was cinema and television production. And then my track was screen acting. So I did get, in a sense, the best of both worlds. Uh, I always wish that I was able to work on the technical side a little bit more uh, because I was a screen acting major to say. Um, But it did open the door for me. Like I had screenwriting classes. I did have like, um, you know, a lot of the technical classes that all the other um, filmmaking students had. So have you gone back to do any theater in recent years? Have you stuck mainly to film? You know, I love Like you said, like theater is the foundation, I believe. And I love it. It's uh, definitely, I feel like it's more challenging for me because I'm such a, I like the camera, how it picks up the most tiniest details. You know, you get right there and like you see what the actor is feeling with their eyes. Um, And that's what I loved about it. But with theater, it's like you have to be so much more like open and big. And uh, that was initially a challenge for me <laughs> because I like the authenticity that comes. I mean, they, you have to be authentic in both fields. A few years ago, I did uh, a couple theater performances. Um, it was my friend's showcase, I would say. I did a monologue. Um, it was actually a monologue about suicide and it was very... Uh, it was very impactful. Like I, I appreciated being able to do that. Little like theater stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely hard with other you know actors, actresses we've had on the podcast. It's not easy going back and forth. I mean, people outside the industry think, oh well, acting is acting, and there's just so many different nuances that's on it. Can you talk about what some of those major differences are between acting in front of a live audience as opposed to acting in front of a camera? Yeah. So as I mentioned, like acting in front of a camera, it's going to pick up everything. So like the littlest movement in your facial expressions, it's going to pick it up. And when it comes to theater acting, you, like I said, you want to reach the person in the last row. You want them to feel the same thing. Um, that, you know, the person in the first row is feeling. So like I said, you have to be like open to that. And um, I think they're both like, you have to be naked, like emotionally for both of them. So they have a lot of like crossover, but with film, it's like, of course they say like, if you mess up, you can always do another take. Um, you know, like as an actor, I don't believe in messing up. Like if you feel like it, like you just keep going. You just get like, if you're in it, like if you're in the character, if you're present, like there is no messing up. And that's kind of the same thing with theater. Like you have all these people, um, like bouncing off this, uh, like presence and emotion to you in theater, which is such a different feeling Mm -hmm. where film, it's like you have this object this camera that is capturing you but you have to view that camera as your best friend because it is like it, it it is like your 
you're emoting to your best friend. And switching to another hat that you wear, um, as a director, it must really inform you directing the camera as opposed to, you know, directing a play. And again, people think that it's just so, oh, you have this play written for the stage, just throw a camera in front of it and film it. And it's really not like that at all. Yeah. (laughs) It's very different. It's like, it's a whole nother world. And again, like I only directed theater, I would say when I was in high school, you know, and so that's the little experience I have it. But it was really just directing actors, which I love doing as well. Like, so it's the same job, you know what I mean? And uh, as far as directing a film or something that's on camera, it is a whole nother, that's a whole nother beast. (laughs) And when I, because my initial love and passion was writing. And whenever I wrote, I saw it all in my head, you know? So I saw the angles, the colors, the lighting, you know, I would see it as I wrote. So it was almost like I was watching it in my head. So in that aspect, uh, it is very different than theater. Do you find when you direct, if you're strictly directing and you're not actually acting in the film, it's hard to separate how you would portray the character as opposed to like letting the actor portray? And I say that based on personal experience. It's like, you know, that's not how I would do it, but oh, that that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like there's, of course, like as a writer, you build these characters in your head, in your imagination. And then you hand them over to these actors and you do have an initial like, okay, this is how I pictured them. This is how I imagine they would say this or express this. And then they come up with something totally different. And it's true. Like a lot of the times when they surprise me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yes, this is why I love the collaboration because they bring something to the table that I for whatever reason, like I didn't have in my imagination at the time. And they bring them to life in a greater way. And I'm very like, I love that. That's what I love about film is that, yes, you can create like you can technically create a film by yourself, maybe kind of. But um, it's that collaboration process of like with a team, you're like putting these pieces together and everyone has their own pieces. And that's what I, I love that about it. Speaking of writing, we, we recently had a, had a screenwriter on the podcast and we talked about as a writer, especially beginning screenwriters, the tendency to want to over-direct while you're writing, really be learning to find that balance between direction and dialogue, you know, scene heading. And when you're writing something that you know you're going to direct, do you sometimes have to catch yourself from putting too much of that into the, into the script? Yes, for sure. In the beginning, when I first started screenwriting, I definitely, because again, I saw the images already. So I definitely had direction <laughs> a little bit, but now I kind of just, I just let it happen organically, if that makes sense. You know, I, I try not to put like, I don't think I've ever put like, oh, the camera does this, you know, in a screenplay um, because I've learned over time, like, you know, this is even if I am going to direct it, you know, like I want the screenplay itself, which is again, like that's the Bible of the whole production. I want it to be as um, professional as possible as if I'm going to try to sell it or pitch it to a production company. When I started trying to write my first screenplay before film school was even on the horizon. I mean, I was putting the music. I was putting how, you know, I would start off writing how the credits were going to roll to what music and all that. And eventually um, I got 
proper education and, and learn, <laughs> learn how to do it right. Um, going back to your influence, you mentioned Shirley Temple, obviously, you know, legend. And now what are some of your other, you know, inspirations and influences? Uh, again, like growing up, I watched like old school, I guess you would call films. Like I, I watch very classic films. Like, of course, there's like Gone with the Wind. And like um, I watched a lot of like I loved Marlon Brando. I watched uh, Streetcar Named Desire on the waterfront, things like that. As far as an actor, like I was definitely inspired by him. Um, and then there were other like, you know, actresses like Audrey Hepburn. Like I loved that period. And that's definitely what inspired me. Even as a kid, like I would listen to old music and my like nobody showed me it. I don't know how I found it. It's almost like I was I'm like, I feel like I'm from this time period. <laughs> so uh, definitely the music, the old films, everything inspired me. And another thing we've talked about on this is the recurring theme of a uh, you know, modern big Hollywood, it's sacrificing the story for the spectacle. That sounds, it sounds like you really gravitate towards the stories yes. that are there, whether from 100 years ago or 30 years ago. I, I was talking to someone recently like, yeah, you know, I'll, I enjoy Avatar and the Marvel movies for entertainment, but I also love just the true like character driven. It's a camera and actors. Yes. That's on there. Yes. Like it's it's something that that I hope we don't lose. Yes, I agree. I, I and I was gonna say the same thing. I'm a Marvel nerd. I'm a like Star Wars nerd, you know? Like I love but what's drawn to me, like you said, it's always the character. It's always like that part of the story. Which sometimes they achieve that in those films. And that's the essence that I love about those films. Uh but unfortunately in the industry, it's like, okay, what's gonna sell you know and so that's what the budgets are always gone towards and that's what I hope will be adjusted as time goes on to continue to hold the art the art of of films you know and the story itself and I think as independent filmmakers yes you know we all would love to have huge budgets but having smaller budgets and those constraints you know you have to focus on the story you have to focus on the characters because you don't have the ability to have green screen and those those sensor things that they have now, which that alone, it's got to be an entirely different type of acting that they're put through. What are some of the recent like story-driven films or shows that you really like? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Because I have been watching a lot of like Star Wars. <laughs> but again, like I, I love um actually both like the Pedro Pascal uh series, yeah. The Last of Us and The Mandalorian, yeah. <laughs> which I'm watching right now. But again, like the I love the characters and and I love how also he portrays the characters. So that's the first thing I think of. And Star Wars is, you know, we talk about Star Wars always comes up as really Star Wars is the archetype movie, at least for the last 50 plus years of the hero's journey. You know, that really was the one that kind of moved modern filmmaking into focus on the hero's journey. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue talking about your journey. But before that, we would like to give a very special thank you to the M2 Productions who are graciously hosting today for this recording. This is Howard Brand with the Cinema Pathway Podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back. Today, I am joined by Jennifer Joy O'Grady. As we talked about earlier, you've done a lot of different things, uh, but there seems to always be what I call like an iron triangle of three roles that tend to work in harmony together. You know, writer, director, actress. Is three the magic number? If you're doing those three, but you need to take on a fourth role, do you find one of those has, you know, if you want to produce also, do you find, oh, then you can't direct. Like, how do you, how do you manage wearing all the different hats? It's not easy. And, I, and I've been told many times, like, you have to pay 
pick one. And I think in an essence, sometimes there is truth to that because one may suffer, you know, because you really have to give all of yourself into whether it's directing, acting, writing, you know, you really have to put everything into it. And for me, it's been hard for me to choose. So as far as like my last project that I just did, I was directing, I did write it, I acted in it, I produced it, and I did a whole lot of other things <laughs> because, you know, you, ha you have to do what you got to do to make it happen. And I was kind of fearful that I'm like, oh, I feel like my performance suffered or something like that. And I would ask the people that I work with, um, and I was actually, we, we could get into this later, but I was actually, I became like very sick while I was shooting that project as well. And I had to do all of those things on top of that. And, uh, you know, I was like, do you feel like my performance suffered? And people who have see, really seen me act before, they're like, I could tell, you know, that anyone watching on camera, they would never tell, like, you did it. <laughs> so for that, I'm like, okay, that we're okay. But as far as, like I said, it, it definitely, for my next productions, um, if I'm acting, of course, like, again, writing and creating the story itself is my, my first initial love. So I definitely want to be a part of bringing that to life in some way, whether it is directing it or possibly acting in it. I, if I'm acting in it, I think I would want to entrust somebody that I do trust to direct it or produce it as well. And what you talked about earlier, when you write, you have pictured everything in your head. You know exactly what you want it to be. And sometimes it's hard to convey that vision to others. Sometimes it's hard to make people say, I especially find that when it comes to editing, I say like, I can edit my stuff, but it's hard asking someone else to do it. And likewise, it's hard when someone else, you know, is editing your stuff. How do you find the best way to convey to others what your vision is? I think a director's first job is that, is how you're able to communicate your vision to other people, whether it's like the crew or the cast. And it's so important because I think um, Quinn Tarantino said it like he's like, I don't need to know how to be a gaffer or, you know, whatever. Like, I just need to know how to tell them what I want it to look like. And I think that's very important. That is, again, a balance. Like when you talk to, again, like a gaffer or if you talk to the actor, that's a completely different way of communicating. I always start with my heart, I guess I would say, you know, because a lot of my work, it comes from my heart. So I think people who want to work with me, they feel the passion in that. They feel that like, okay, it is coming from my heart. It's coming from that place. I want to create something that is art and that hopefully will impact people. So I think that's what I hope gets people on board. <laughs> do you use storyboarding to help convey? I do. My first thing is like, here's a script. Here is the story. Here's what I envision. A lot of times it's people that, you know, I'm friends with. So they kind of get what's in my head, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's hard to explain, you know, all the, the craziness that's in our heads. But uh, as an artist, I do storyboard. I A lot of times I show images or mood boards from whether it's from other films or from, you know, not necessarily copying, but just like, oh, I like the uh, exposition of this. You know, that's that's what I like to do. Good artists copy, great artists steal. True. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Thinking back in film school, you start out, you know, storyboard like hard 
horrible little stick figures trying to get what, you know, this is what a close-up is. This is what a medium shot is. And then, you know, you evolve to finding images. When I've had the opportunity to work with a legitimate storyboard artist and someone who could do it, it's, it's almost magical what they can come up with, how they can actually literally like really draw what you're thinking. And you're just like, yes, that's it. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, like I haven't experienced that yet. So I would love to work with a great storyboard artist because like you said, I can only draw stri- stick figures. So <laughs> that's why I use like images or from films that I find. Yeah. And now there, I mean, there's so many resources out there. And like you said, there's so much content. There's so many movies as like, and, and a lot of it is based on stuff you've seen anyway. So you know, like, oh, I want this shot from this movie and that's the easiest way to show them. Exactly. We've talked about education a bit and a lot of times on the show we talk about how important education is outside of the classroom. Like it really, you know, the classroom prepares you but really you learn once you get out. What are some of the things you've learned along the way that you didn't necessarily learn in school but have really helped you? I feel like like you said, the most that I've learned has been outside of school. I mean, I'm very thankful for my education because like you said, that gave me a base, a foundation for all the technical aspects. You know, it taught me the rules of filmmaking and then, you know, it's learning where and how to break them in a sense. (laughs) But I think the most important thing that I learned outside of film school, it was definitely just going for it having a vision and being like, you know what, I may not have the budget, I may not have all the resources or the equipment, but just going for it, going hands on. And that was a very big learning curve. Uh, When I, after school, I did a eight part series and I did it with no budget. I, you know, again, it was just kind of starting out and it was a very, very big undertaking for just starting out. But I learned so much about working with others about being able to, like we mentioned, collaborate with people because it doesn't matter what field and production that they're in, whether it's the production designer or like I said, the DP, they're all artists in their own right. And so being able to communicate with them and work with them, it's not always easy, you know, because everybody has their own personalities, their own like motives. And, you know, I've worked with people that being a female filmmaker or female director or female producer, it hasn't been always easy for me for people to actually listen and or take direction. Thankfully, recently, I haven't had that much of a problem with it. But when I first started out, I wasn't taken seriously, (laughs) which is understandable because I was starting out too. But also that added layer of like, oh, I'm just a young woman, you know, uh, and telling a whole crew of mostly males, you know, like what to do didn't always work. Um, But again, thankfully, like I've had to learn a lot on a personal level of I don't take things personally, basically, you know, and it's really I think the most important lesson is learning who you are. You have to know who you are before you're able to be either a leader or even an artist, you know, you really have to really dig deep and learn who you are. And uh, yeah, I learned, I learned a whole lot from that experience because I've had, I've also, uh, you know, I have an experience in that series. I had a female AD 
and a male DP, and he would not listen to her. And that's a very difficult situation. And me being the director, you know, navigating that was a learning experience in itself. So there's so many lessons that I, I could talk for like the next 10 hours. And I'm glad you brought up some of the challenges you face as, as a female getting started. And I think it's, it's an inspiring and important message to other female aspiring filmmakers. And I think it's because of years and years of whatever you want to call it, you know, built up. A lot of them just get frustrated and, and quit before they really even, you know, have a chance to do it. What advice would you give to an aspiring young female filmmaker who's hitting those kind of roadblocks? Even when I, like when I was a kid, I didn't think a woman could be a director because I never saw women directors back in my day. <laughs> you know, like I, I always, I saw like Steven Spielberg's and, and I never saw female directors. And thankfully, now a lot more has come about and been very successful. Uh, one of my favorites that comes, like I love uh, people like Britt Marling and Greta Gerwig. Uh, I actually look up to her because in her film, she acted and directed and uh, Frances Ha, I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, I believe she wrote it as well. So when I saw that, I was like, yes, like I always I'm drawn towards how did they do it? And for women who are who want to direct or who want to be in that type of position, I would offer the same advice of like there it is possible. Someone else has done it so you can do it, too. And I would just, you know, stick to your guns as far as like, you know, your work, you know, your vision and you know who you are. And again, just take a leap of faith. But also at the, at the same time, I think it's very important to be teachable. So always be open to um, other people's wisdom, you know, and it doesn't matter what gender or where they come from. Like I learn from everyone, you know, but I think I like to look towards I would love to have a, a mentor in the industry, you know, a female mentor in the industry. So that's another uh, point that I would make. But again, like I learn from everybody and it doesn't even it doesn't matter whether they're, you know, a PA or whatever. Like I see someone do something, you know, like I said, a PA bringing coffee and the way they do it will inspire me, you know, and I think staying just staying grounded in yourself in that way. Last question on this topic, but I think it's an important one. You were getting started really working in the industry, trying to establish yourself right when like the Me Too movement hit and all things were coming to light. Have you seen a change for the positive in how women are treated? Um, or, you know, obviously there's still a long way to go, but have, has there at least been baby steps? I believe so. I think there definitely has been a change. I think it's good that now it's come to the light and that it, it is being something that is talked about. Because again, like when I was young, like it wasn't talked about, you know, so I think it, it is changing. Um, I think, you know, maybe there is a way to go a, a little bit of a ways to go. You know, again, when I was uh, in one of my first film festivals, I directed and I wrote this film and I had people come up to someone who was with me who was a male and they'd be like, oh my gosh, like your film was amazing. And he had nothing to do with the film. And he was like, no, she directed it. And I think, and again, I was young. So um, I think at that time I was like, you know, it maybe irritated me a little bit, but now I'm like, it's an understandable uh, thing to happen. But I think we have made a lot of progress and I am seeing a lot more women coming to light and being able to create and share their stories. Like, I think it's very important for women to be able to write 
women characters, you know, and to that it comes from our lens as well. And every every gender, every whatever it is, like, I think it's important to share from their perspective. Yeah, we've talked a few times about this, about the culture, and I'm not going to bore our listeners with my Denzel Washington, Spielberg, Scorsese story again. They all, like you said, it's important to write female-driven characters. Men can write it, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. You know, same yeah. thing whether you're writing an LGBTQ plus film, right. you know, a Jewish film, an Italian film, yeah. everything along that. But going back to where you told, you know, you're the director, you had to be in charge. Um, speaking of being in charge, you have your own production company. Open Door Film Production, where you do film and TV, you do events, you do video branding, photography. How important was it for you to really take charge of your own destiny, I guess, is, is a good way to say it, to really be able to be your own boss? Yes, that's uh, being your own boss is not easy. It definitely has a lot of perks, but at the same time, it has a tremendous amount of struggle. During the past, I would say... Uh, about a year ago or almost two years ago now, I was working full time for a company. I was doing videography and editing. So yes, it was creative, but I was still in like the corporate realm, you know? So it's like during that time, my creativity was just like, I I feel like it was soul sucking, honestly. (laughs) I hit a wall. And so there was times in my career where I kind of had to put my dreams, even like my production company on the shelf. And so I had to come back to it and make a decision like, is it worth it to take this risk, first of all? Because being your own boss, you have to every single day be working to get clients, be working to get gigs, all of these different things. You know, there's no nothing to fall back on in that. You know, when you go to a job every day, you have a, uh, you know, you're going to get your check every two weeks. And I just had to come to a place where I was like, I can't keep shutting down my creativity and my dreams and putting it on the shelf for a paycheck, you know, and that's kind of where I had to take a stand for myself in that way. Yeah, it's the old adage, uh, you know, if you're tired of working 40 hours a week, nine to five, be your own boss and work 24-7. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So like all these different things you do, you know, even photography, still pictures, it's still storytelling. So talk about how storytelling really can play into every, even if you're shooting a wedding, you're still telling a story. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I think people lose that, especially when it comes to like doing videography. Like people will think, okay, you just click a button and record something. Like, no, you really are telling a story and, and it's, you're capturing a moment in people's lives that is so important. And even in that, the way that you capture it can tell the story in a beautiful way. So again, like I love, and also photography too, like, and that's something where I feel like I more so dabble in than than I would consider myself a professional, but I enjoy, like you said, the story's telling aspect of all of it. A picture can tell a story. How? I learned in film school that when you pause a frame in a film, it should look like this beautiful picture. It should look like a picture. So whenever I do photography, I want it to convey like that. Like I want it to be like, oh, like what, like what is this person thinking? What are they feeling? Like the light tells a story, you know, sun tells a story, you know, like in that way. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, what led up to this moment and then what's going to happen afterwards. Exactly. Yes. When you go from narrative film to like a 30 second spot. Sometimes I know for me, I can be long winded as our listeners probably know. Um, It's hard 
for me, like if I had to go from writing, you know, or making a short film to having to make a TikTok video or just a quick snippet, like how are you able to translate one to the other? Like bring that storytelling into a small 10, 15 second clip. That's a challenge for sure. Nowadays, it's like you have to capture your audience, like not even in the first second. It has to be like the first 0.6 seconds, you know, because of uh, TikTok and the, the fast content that we have out there. But I've seen like beautiful, beautiful storytelling in TikToks, like cinematically done. And I've tried to accomplish the same thing. That's another point in this industry. Like I've, I've recently or in the past couple of years felt the pressure of like, you need to make content every day. You should be like doing this on TikTok and you should be posting reels and all this stuff. And I got into that like mode of where like, okay, I got to make, I got to make a TikTok. I got to make a reel today just to like put it out. And I started to kind of resent that because yes, whatever I put out, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I still want it to be authentic to who I am, even if I'm, even if it's an acting or, or a story type TikTok. Um, so now I'm like, you know what? Whenever I have an idea, whenever I feel like creating, I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna force myself <laughs> to film like 20 TikToks just so I can post it. Um, but it definitely is an art form in itself, and I've learned that as well. Like being able to capture the audience is something that I'm in that quick of a form I'm still learning I would say for sure so uh, speaking of creating we're going to take another break but when we get back we're going to talk about one of your recent projects that I know you're really excited to share with everyone but before that we would like to thank two of our partners that helped make this podcast possible Cinevideotech who's been a mainstay of the film industry since 1968 providing equipment support and training and ComTV, who offers consulting and production services for a wide range of entertainment. This is Howard Brand. You're listening to the Cinema Pathway Podcast. We'll be right back. We are back with storyteller Jennifer Joy O'Grady. Jen. You have some pretty exciting news about one of your recent projects, and you promised me you tell me more about it once we recorded the podcast. So I know you, you've you been chomping at the bits to talk about it. I've been eagerly awaiting to hear about it. So uh, what is this recent project? Well, this is an exclusive. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so for the past couple of years, I haven't really created my own project as far as like something that I've written. I've uh, helped direct other people's projects, different things like that. And last year, I actually had a plan to create a feature that I've been writing the last three years. And as the year went on, and I was going through a lot of personal things at the same time too, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to start this feature because I knew this feature would require a lot of resources that I didn't have at the time. So I started to think, I'm like, you know what, but I need, I felt that desire like, it was like a fire under me again that I was like, I need to create something. And so one day I just happened to be looking through my writing um, and I wasn't even intentionally doing that. I was like looking on an old hard drive and I found like all of my scripts from like probably like 10 years ago or more than that. And and sometimes like I didn't even realize how much I've written in my life. So I went through and I, this script popped out to me and I actually wrote it in 2014. and 
when I read it, I was like, this is it. I'm going to make this one this year because it was a short and it had technically like one location, um, four main actors. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to, this is the one that I'm going to get back into it with. And so I reached out to a couple like friends who I had worked with the past couple of years who are also like DP, ADs, and they were very supportive, which that helped tremendously because I felt like if you're just like out there like a lone ranger, like it's very difficult to get a project going. And so with their help, I was able to very quickly because I shared with them September of last year, uh, 2022, the script and my vision. And they're like, okay, let's do it. December, we're filming it. Let's go. And so um, from September to, like I said, December, it was a very quick process. Like I went right into pre-production, casting, um, getting the crew together. It was a lot. It was like there were always, of course, I'm always going to expect challenges with any project. But with this one, it was a lot. Like, I was like, okay, what is going on here? Because it was very challenging. And, but at the same time, I'm like, it fueled me even more. Like, I'm like, okay, I know at the end of the day, this is going to be worth it. And so once we got into production, and again, I should share like a little bit what the film is about first. (laughs) So the short film is called Creators, and it is about a a female writer who is writing this noir crime novel like set in the 1940s. And she's kind of having this struggle with her husband. He's at a different place in his life than her. Like he's like, I'm ready to start a family. And she's like, I am not ready to start a family. I want to focus on my career. And as she's in this struggle also with herself, she, her characters from her novel, the detective and also like the femme fatale, they enter her life, they materialize into her life and they start to like interact, sometimes interfere, but they really like mirror in a way like what she's going through and also like them as, you know, possible love interests, they mirror her and her husband a lot. So, and ultimately it's about her discovering what she truly wants in this point of her life and they help her finish the story actually i'm giving way too much but (laughs) so uh that's what the story is about and again like i wrote it many years ago and at a time like in my early 20s so i felt like now when i went back to it there was so much more that i was able to pour into it when it came to being in relationship you know like being in this point of my life and also again as a woman and it was so refreshing when I had other women in my age share with me they're like I'm actually like I have the same struggle like I can relate to this so much and I wasn't like I was just putting it out there because I'm like this is a part of me that I'm dealing with and I didn't realize how many other people were experiencing that and not just women like artists in general like having to balance you know putting yourself into your craft and making decisions like sacrificing parts of your personal life to pursue a dream I feel like any artist can relate to that and at the essence that's what I wanted the film to be about so it's not just for women it's you know it's for everybody who feels that way and uh so as we went into production again like it's very I wanted to have that noir inspired feel 
<clears throat> so it definitely transitions from like the main character's name is Penny. So it transitions from her reality of like that struggle with her husband and herself and writing and, you know, writer's block and all of that. Then it transitioned into her imaginary world of the 1940s noir. Again, like I said, my influence has always been those classic films. So being able to bring that into this was so like, it was so rewarding, I guess I would say. It was so fun because I wanted to have those, even like neo-noir, you know, inspirations, but definitely that classic like detective and femme fatale like you know interrogation scenes and like you know the the like high key lighting and all of that i wanted to bring that back into film but also like not only for people who are fans of that but also like introduce the younger generation that may not be familiar with that type of film so i wanted it to be a mixture of that you know bring that into the present day so that in itself, I was so excited to create. And my crew, like, again, I cannot thank them enough. They did an incredible job. I can't wait for people to see it because they did an incredible job in that way that we transitioned from modern world to noir world. Again, like I said, I had a lot of obstacles uh, because from the beginning, I was like, I wanted to um, take care of everyone that was helping me. You know, like, I, I'm like... I'm going to pay everybody like it may not be, you know, what you get paid on like big productions, but I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to make sure everybody is taken care of. And, um, you know, so the budget like, you know, it kind of grew a lot more than what I was expecting. And, you know, of course, like that that was a challenge I was doing. A lot of it was self-funded. Um, but thankfully, again, like that I was able to even do it. Um, and thankful to people who I did have like donors. So that was so thankful for that. Um, but then when on the first day of production, there were so there's two characters who are the noir characters, I would say the lead actress, the day the first day of production when she's supposed to be there, she I get a text from her saying, I have COVID. And so while we're filming and again, and I'm acting and directing and producing and doing all this stuff, I'm like, okay, we have to figure out what we're going to do. And we can either, you know, reschedule. But the problem is I rented out an Airbnb and it was like completely booked for the next like five months. And we, I rented equipment. I rented the camera. I scheduled everybody. You know how it is with production. Like it's not easy to like move those things around at all. So I had to make the ultimate decision of like, we're going to have to recast her, unfortunately, it, which she was understanding about. And so while we're while I'm like, I'm trying to act and then I'm trying to direct. And at the same time, I'm like looking at like, I'm trying to like find actresses that would fit this role, which is very challenging because it's someone who has to have the essence of a 1940s or 1950s actress, you know, from the, the look, the voice, the even like a like an accent. And so I was literally as we're filming, like auditioning other actresses. And thankfully, like, I think it was the second day of production, we were able to find I made a decision on one of the actresses and she did a phenomenal job. Uh, her name is Renata. She just she killed it. She was amazing. The fact that she was able to like memorize everything in under a day. And um, and it is fairly because, again, it's noir. So it is fairly dialogue heavy. So that in itself, like that was such a like 
crazy but amazing experience. Uh, that's just one of them. <laughs> so many things you brought up. One, noir being dialogue. Heavy writing noir dialogue is an art in itself. I've tried to, and I love the, the noir voiceover. Yes. You know, when you hear the voice, you know, the, the humidity in the air was so thick you could cut it with a knife, you know, while her, the combination of her smoke and perfume, it's classic. And you bring up another um, really important thing that I don't think people understand what a big responsibility is. And, and I call it, it's, it's the burden of leadership where nobody wants to make tough decisions, but somebody has to. And it's hard. It could be gut-wrenching, but it's just, like you said, it's not personal. It's just something that has to be done. And again, it's not for everybody. Really hard. Was that one of the first times you've really had to make a hard decision like that? I don't know if it was the one of the first times. Um, it was there was a lot writing on it, so I think in that essence, yes. And I'll admit, in my personal life, like I don't like I don't <laughs> I don't like making hard decisions. Like I'm because I'm also like I I'm very empathetic, and I and I've tended to be like a people pleaser. Just being honest, like you know, so join the club. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard when you then when you put on the role of okay, I'm the leader, I'm the director, and you have all these people, you know, and the fate of this project in your hands. It's it's not easy, but for some reason, when I am on set and I'm directing and I'm, I feel like I'm in my own space where I belong. Like I feel like okay, this is who I really am. And that makes sense, you know? So I'm able to make decisions as a director way quicker, way easier than I am in my personal life. And I think what you just said, you know, making decisions quicker, no one is ever going to make the right decision 100% right. of the times. But making a decision is better than debating and wavering and going back and forth. You know, I mean, yes, there's collaboration. When a director is asking 12 people, you know, what do you think we should do? Right. What do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? Or when somebody asks the director, where do you want this shot? You know, over here, or over there? No, but whatever you think is best or what do you want to do? It's just... It's, and I think it helps, you know, give you, I guess, street cred. Yeah, you know, it helps you give your credibility that you could be decisive, you're in charge, and that's, you know, something else that's important. And it's a difference. It's not bossing everybody around. You know, be very clear. It's not you're the boss of people, but like you said, somebody has to lead, no matter what it is. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's interesting because I learned early on that like as a director on set, when someone asks you a question, you have to have an answer. And it may not be the quote unquote right answer, but you have to have like an answer to give them. And I think that kind of helped me a lot early on. And like you're saying, like you are the leader. And I've learned it's so important to find other leaders because there's a leader of the camera department, there's a leader of the production design. And in my experience with this film, this is the first time where I've worked with people where they were such amazing leaders in their with their team, you know, whether it was the camera team or um, even the AD, that helped me that boosted my ability so much more as a director. Like I, I'm like trying to think about, especially with everything that happened, I'm like, I don't know how I would have been able to do it if I didn't have those people. They knew my vision and they come to me and we discuss it. Then they go to their team and they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it runs so much smoother that way. I think of a lot of sport analogies and really, you know, great players, they want to play for great coaches. Good employees want to work for good managers. And same thing on a film crew, you know, good 
department heads, good grips. They want to work for good directors and especially those with humility that can say, you know, yes, I know this, but I'm here. You know, I'm going to pick up some stuff and learn are also great. So take us back. You said this started in September of last year. You dig up the script. You decide I'm going to do this. What are, what were those first couple of weeks like? Just trying to get it, get it going. Well, I wrote it in 2014. So I'm a very different person and artist than I was then, you know, or if I learned a lot uh, personally and career wise. So I actually started to rewrite it a little bit, you know, I tweaked it a bit and I was able to put into it more of like my experience now. So I think that's what's great is like I can see myself in it when I was in my 20s and then now I could see myself now when I'm in my 30s. And I love that about it. Like, uh, I I mean, at least for me, like other people might not be able to see that. But so I did do some rewrites. And then again, like I sent it to uh, great friends of mine who I was like, okay, like, you know, this is the project that I want to make next because I feel like it's going to be the quote unquote easiest one to make next. (laughs) But, um, and they were on board, you know, I had a wonderful DP and AD and they started to, you know, gather their crew and I started going pretty much like right into it, like right into casting and everything. Cause it was a very quick process because when I initially gave it to them, I'm like, okay, what do you think we could do? And they're like, okay, I'm free December. Let's film in December. <laughs> so that's pretty much how it happened it, very, very quickly. And I think you also said something really important that starting filmmakers, independent filmmakers, no budget filmmakers should take is, you said you had one location. One indoor location. One yes. indoor location and a small cast. And it's uh, it can be hard sometimes to temper ambitions, I think is the way. And do set yourself up for success. You know, keep it manageable, keep it feasible without going overboard. Did you start out with a broad plan and then kind of brought it back down to what you can do or was it always kind of more of a simple simple uh, idea for this story I think it was always I think that's why I was like okay this is the one uh, because it takes place you know right in their apartment you know it's like where she's writing and and uh, the two characters like when I've written in my life I have these like epic ideas you know that are gonna take I know it's gonna take a lot to make happen and it is it can be challenging to like hone those in to be like, okay, let's let's do with what we can. So when I created this, I'm like, okay, I know I can get one location. I know I can do this. It was actually ambitious as far as like certain things that we shot, which when you guys see it, I think you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, as far as the, we wanted to transition from modern to noir in the shots and the way that we did that that takes a lot of time and um, organization between the lighting and the cameras and everything like that and the actors. So that was a bit more ambitious than I was even expecting. But we had this, I asked my DP in the beginning, I was like, is it possible to do this in the shot? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Like he was very excited to do this because it's not something that comes along very often, for sure. And what you just said is important. You know what you know, you know what you don't know, and, and you trust the people that you put in those positions to make it happen. Exactly. Um, one last question before we break, and you're not allowed to say all of them. Out of everything you did on this film, what was your favorite position or, or role? That's so hard. <laughs> it's really hard. It's like picking I, a favorite child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think seeing it come to life was very emotional for me because again, it's something that has been in my mind for so many years. 
since 2014. So I think directing it was very, very special to me. And again, it was a challenge because again, like I said, I was acting, producing, directing, and I had become very sick during it. So I'm like, I had to like give my all that I physically could. And I would, you know, tell my AD, I'm like, man, like, I feel like if I was my 100%, I would be able to, I feel like give more even to the people that I was working with. But I think people and I was told as well, like people saw we see how much you not only care about the project, but you care about the people that you work with. So, you know, there are many times where I would like have talks with them, you know, because of course there's like, there are so many challenges of why things go over time and different things like that. But I was like, I don't want anybody to like feel like completely exhausted and dead, like while they're filming this, which it happens, you know, but I wanted to make sure whatever I can, whatever I'm capable of doing to like make sure everybody is comfortable and able to give their all, I'm willing to do that. You know, I want to do that. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's very, like you said, it's like picking a child and that I don't know how I could do that. But if I had to, I think I would say the directing part. Great. We're really excited to uh, see this when it comes out and keep learning more about it. We're going to take one more break and we'll be right back to conclude this episode. To our listeners, if you enjoy listening to our podcast, please support us by subscribing to the Cinema Pathway podcast on your favorite podcast platform and giving us a rating and then head over to our online store at paradoxicalfilms.com forward slash shop where you can purchase cinema pathway gear including t-shirts hoodies stickers and more last of all be sure to also follow us on instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for behind the scenes photos and more we'll be right back i'm howard brand and we are talking today with jennifer joy o'grady so you just told us about this uh, film that you've been working on. Where are you in the process now? So right now we're in post-production. We're still in the editing phase. And I'm working to get it towards, because uh, I would like to submit it to quite a few film festivals for this year and probably next year. So um, hopefully by this year, it will be screened and the public will be able to see it. And it's also been you know, brought up to me as this has the potential to be, you know, a spec for a larger project, which that at first I was like, I just want to create, I want to tell this story, you know, that was my first initial uh, motive. And then of course, you know, people always say, okay, what's your distribution plan and all of that, which is very important, I think as well, when you're starting a project. And, you know, so now I'm looking at it, like it does have the potential to be a series or, you know, this could be a spec for a feature. So I'm kind of open and seeing what the possibilities are as far as distribution for this project. It's always a little bit of a challenge when creators have to start thinking about the business side. Yes. And usually, you know, business side, you try to tell them, let me create, you think about that. So once once you finish the editing and get this out there, what's next? Well, as I mentioned, for a while, I kind of put everything on the shelf the past couple of years, but I'm back into writing a lot. Um, I'm continuing to work on, I have like two features that I'm writing or like uh, at different processes of writing when I'm just like editing. So my goal is that would be the next project for me to make. And um, the main feature that I've been working on, it's again, very close to me. It's very like near and dear to my heart. The subject and themes are super important to me. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's a very inspiring piece. 
where do you think you see yourself in 10 years? Wow, that's it. That's always like such an interesting question. I love asking that question because I never have a good answer when right. people ask me that. <laughs> right. Because like there's always what you think, where you think you're going to be and where you're actually are going to be. Personally, I'm not where I thought I would be 10 years past. But at the same time, I'm very grateful for where I am. So 10 years from now, I mean, I would love to be doing what I love full time. I would love to, whether it's completely immersed in film and making my films, whether directing them, whether acting, um, I just, I want to be continuing to create in that aspect. That's, and doing something in a meaningful way. Do you think, or I think a more appropriate term is, are you afraid that you're going to have to start focusing on just one thing, just yes. directing, just writing or just producing or just acting. Yes. That's what, like that's again, like I mentioned before, like that's constantly brought up to me. Like I've always been told, like you have to choose. And it's interesting too, because as you, you know, I'm still young technically, but as you get older, you know, people are like, well, there's only certain roles that you can get now. And there's, a, you know, and even with the feature that I want to create, the character, I want her to be a very, I'm, I want to portray the main character as well. And I want her to be a certain age. And so there's that pressure on that as well as like, okay, how long can I still realistically <laughs> play that age? Uh, so that's definitely a, a question and a challenge. But for me, I feel as long as I've tried to like have an acting career, 100%. I tried to direct, tried to make my films. If it doesn't become quote unquote successful, at least I can say I tried it. At least at the end of my life, I could be like, I went for it. You know, I did it. And I mean, again, I don't think I'm ever going to quit. I'm always going to be creating in some shape or form. And I will be happy with that. <laughs> we actually haven't talked a lot about you as an actress. Um, you know, as you approach roles, do you like playing characters that are similar to you because you can add more to it? Or do you like playing characters that are as far away from the real you as, as can be? I love that question because I would love to play characters that are so different from me. <laughs> like that's always, I feel like that's definitely always a goal of like a, an actor. In my last project, and again, I think it's because I wrote it, the character was so close to me. Like she's very close to who I am as a person that it just felt natural to play her. You know, I, I had, you know, people ask like, oh, do you want to cast for this role? And I'm like, she's me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but as far as to play outside of roles that I've written, I definitely love to, I want to challenge myself 100%. And I feel like I haven't had an opportunity to fully challenge myself the way that I want to when it comes to acting. Like, I feel like I'm still at the very top of the surface as far as challenging myself in roles. Do you ever uh, almost create a character and have a character in mind and build the story around them? Or do you build the story and let the characters come from that or a combination of both? In my feature or in a lot of my projects, actually, now that I look at it, even in my past, the characters would come to life and then the story would kind of like develop around them. So I think it is like a mixture of both for sure. Like, and, and again, I think it's so important to create strong characters that have depth and layers and, you know, conflict. It, it, I think that's so important, um, just as important as creating 
a, you know, a layered story arc as well. How important are themes to you when you write? There's so, I mean, I don't start writing like, oh, I'm going to write about redemption. You know, like I don't start off that way, but they kind of develop as I, again, as I create the character, as I create the story, when it comes to the character's goals, it's like, okay, what does this character want and why? And those themes come start to come to life. And personally, I think themes are incredibly important. And with all you have going on, all, you know, as we said, the many hats you wear, how do you manage the time? Do you, especially writing, I mean, writing is something that I find there's two kinds of people. There's people who just religiously set time during the day that they're going to write for two hours or in others. And there's others who just are able to write a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit, you know, not much in between. Do you gravitate towards one or the other? I think I tend to gravitate towards like when I get inspiration, I go and write it. And especially, like I said, in the last year, I was going through so much personally that it's like my inspiration, like your mind has to focus on the present moment. Like even when I had inspiration, it's like I can't even write that right now. And so that's why it was so important to me when I found my script and started to kind of like rewrite it. That was kind of a turning point for me when it comes to my writing. And now I'm writing like more than I have in a very long time. And so I think it's kind of a balance because if I don't make a goal for myself, if I don't say like, okay, I want to finish this by five months, that's a long time. But if I don't finish the script in a month, like then I'm probably not going to do it. But it's a very, for me, I'm still working through that as far as like, should I set a time and write down every day? I have in my mind, like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to write and I'm going to write something, you know, and it may not be perfect. But most of the time when I get inspiration, sometimes it's out of that time frame. And so I'm not going to stop myself from writing. And especially when I get into that mode, like I tell people who are close to me, I'm like, if I'm in writing mode, like, please try your best to not take me out of that mode because it's so hard personally to get back into it. I know it's a cliche, but how often do you get up at two in the morning or you can't sleep and you have this idea and you just have to go and start writing it? Yes. that I mean, all the time. Like Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> Like I will be, especially like, I'm like, why does it, why do I get my best ideas in the middle of the night or when I'm taking a shower or when I'm driving, you know, like that's when, that's when they pop into my head and, you know, I just have to go and write it down. Yeah. And, you know, as, as a internet certified psychologist, it comes from a lot of times, the less you think about it, the more it comes. Like right when your mind, there's a scene I like in Men in Black 3 with like the pie it's like, you know, you need pie. You know, you're not understanding. The pie is to get it, get your mind out of things and then it'll come to you. And uh, you stare at a screen for an hour trying to think of one sentence to write. And then you step away and all of a sudden while you're watching a baseball game, it all comes to you. Yeah, exactly. And it's pretty crazy how, how that works. Especially because like I said, it, not too long ago, I spent like nine hours a day in an office staring at a computer editing. And so I felt like being forced to do that. It's a job like and there's people who love it. And and I appreciate it at the time. And then like forcing yourself to write like it's very challenging. My office days were usually spent in meetings for more than half the day. And then people wondering why no work ever right. got done. But do you have a specific like writing environment that you like to be in? 
in? I tend to just do it in my room. Like I love to be at my desk, um, typically like by a window. But sometimes I enjoy writing outside. Like I've even tried... I've even tried writing at the beach, like at different like outdoor locations just to see the difference. But for me, like I like to be in like kind of like a controlled environment um, because unfortunately I tend to get distracted easily. So that's where (laughs) I want to make sure like I have as little distractions as possible. (laughs) Do you like writing in, uh, in silence or do you like like having music or something playing in the background? I think I always listen to music. I think always, yeah. And probably, and if I like many people, I think like uh, cinematic scores, you know, are uh, from films. I always listen to that, yes. Who's your favorite? Oh my gosh, I just forgot. Who's the, the composer for Interstellar? Hans Zimmer. Yes, yeah. I'm a big you know, music fan and all that. And like to me, like Hans Zimmer, John Williams, like, yeah. like they're should be in the same category as, you know, Mozart yes, and Beethoven. I absolutely. mean, it's, it's amazing. That's pretty much what I listen to all the time. Yeah. And I heard a story that he, um, the director, uh, Christopher Nolan, like he didn't even tell him, that, I don't know if this is true or not. So I don't know, we'll Google it. But um, like he told Hans Zimmer, like, this is just a story about a father and a daughter, like her um, losing him or something like that. He didn't even tell him it's about space from what I heard. And then he created this masterpiece and it's beautiful. (laughs) I'm grateful that we have people that can do that in the world. So we've talked a lot about you, a lot of things that you've done. Uh, You shared a lot, which we're thankful for. Where can our listeners learn more about you or follow you on social media or get in touch with you if they wanted to? Yes, you could always get in touch with me. My website is my full name, jenniferjoyogrady.com. Also, my production company is opendoorfilmpro.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram. It's Jennifer Joy O. Some people say Jennifer Joe Yo. <laughs> I didn't realize it sounded like that, but you know. <laughs> totally not going to start calling you Joe Yo. <laughs> you may not be the first who call you Joe Yo, Yo Yo. Hey, okay. But <laughs> so make sure Joe Yo, YOLO, <laughs> when you're playing with your Yo Yo. <laughs> And this may be hard to answer because you've done so much, but is there anything you haven't done that you want to do? I mentioned about the feature that I've been writing. Um, it's a very different character. It's a lot more gritty and raw than than what I have created so far. It actually involves a female MMA fighter, but it's not necessarily about the fighting. It's about her what causes her to get there and her journey there, which, um, you know, I could get into it. <laughs> but, um, and so I've actually, for the past couple of years, I've dabbled and trained in MMA and it's become, I didn't think it would be, but it's become something that I love. And I feel like if I was, if I wasn't an actress and had to keep my face looking okay, I might like, you know, try to try some amateur fights. But that's something that the themes in that, going back to themes, I'm very, very passionate about. And I feel like there's a lot of things that she's been through the character that I can relate to and a lot of people can relate to because it's all about having like your voice stolen and having to like mentally, emotionally, and physically like fight to get your power back. So that's always like that project is like always on my radar and horizon. And and I hope that I can be, I can create that and bring it justice. And I think you can draw a lot of parallels between women in MMA to women in filmmaking. It's something, you know, women fighting, traditionally not, I grew up with, you know, the bad, like women's wrestling and women's roller derby in the 80s, but it, it's a legitimate thing. I mean, they really 
put themselves out there for that. It'd be something really interesting um, to explore. And especially because like when people see me, I'm a very like, I guess you'd say like feminine, you know, like dainty sometimes. <laughs> so then when people see me like punching and kicking and all this stuff, they're like, what is this? And so I love that bringing out that there's so many parts to us as an individual. And like, there's so much that we can do, like not only physically, but mentally, like what we're capable of. And I don't think that we should be put in a box depending on your, you know, your race, your sexual orientation, your, um, your feminine, female, whatever it is, like, or where you're from, like, it, I, I don't think you should be put in a box. And um, I'm definitely exploring that a lot more in my work, um, or I want to, I feel like I haven't really had a chance to fully explore that yet. I love paradoxes. And I love exploring paradoxes between people, you know, especially, you know, the simplest, you know, the good cop that's not that good mm -hmm. or the cop that's supposed to be good that is bad or the bad guy. I always draw Heat, one of my favorite movies. Like, I love the anti-hero. Like, yes. those are my favorite characters because yes. it's like, you can't categorize someone as like, oh, they're all bad or they're all evil. Like, you know, I love the thing like evil is not born, it's made. Like, and so I love stories like that where it's like, you see that the, it was once this innocent person and like how they get there of that. Absolutely. You said some really inspiring words, especially to, to young, young filmmakers, young women filmmakers. Um, just want to ask you again, like what other advice would you give to a young woman, say like in high school who wants to be a filmmaker or be an actress, but has been told, you know, oh, you're never going to make it. It's a tough road. It's not, it's no place for women. Like what would you say to them to just help them get through that? Yes. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I've been told that when I was young, I've been told like, you know, those same things like, oh, you're never gonna make it. It's like one in a billion chance, which there is a true, there is kind of like a truth to that. But I think that for me, and I've been like in myself, like analyzing this as well, as far as I wanted, I always wanted to do something meaningful in my life. And sometimes, especially as of late, this industry can feel superficial let me say and that always feels so like like unsettling for me and so i've been trying to find myself how where i fit in this industry it's like i said like i um again like i want to tell stories that are impactful and that people can connect to and feel something and be inspired by and i think to other, you know, young filmmakers or to women who want to become filmmakers. I think it's also too of you have to really look at why do you want to do it? Like really look at what is my why? What is my reason? Because that why has to be very, very strong. It has to be stronger than all the opposition, like all the like, like you said, all the like, you're never going to make it. I can't tell you how many thousands of like self tapes that I've done and I've never gotten. And all of that, you know, um, rejection, it has you have to have a strong reason why you keep going. And so you have to find that in yourself. And the if you're doing it for fame or for like, money or anything like that like you might not want to <laughs> you might want you might want to find something else but no like i think that's very important and once you find that reason why don't let anybody tell you can't and and then on top of that learn as much as you can i think you know being again teachable is so important and then 
but own your own yourself you know like own like what you do know because we all have something to bring to the table as artists we all have a story to tell we all have experience learn as much as you can own your art and have a strong reason why. Jen, it has been wonderful having you here. You've shared so much. You know, you've inspired. I've learned some things today. We are happy to have you back on the podcast in the future, whenever you like. And we're excited to see all these things coming from you and what the future holds. Thank you so much. And I've learned from you too. Like I said, we're forever students. (laughs) Always. To our listeners, thank you again for joining us on the Cinema Pathway podcast today. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Our director is Miguel Miller. Our producer is Juliette Desan, along with associate producer Victor Ferreira and executive producer Freddie R. Rodriguez. This has been a presentation of Paradoxical Films. Please visit our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com for more information about today's podcast. You can also email us at cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com where you can send any comments, suggestions or feedback for future episodes be sure to subscribe to the Cinema Pathway podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to join us for our next episode where we will continue to talk about the craft of filmmaking right here on the Cinema Pathway podcast this is the Cinema Pathway podcast we'll see you next time lights out